Well, good evening, everybody. It is good to, to be here with you tonight. Usually we have a pre-recorded broadcast that we put out on Wednesday nights, and we've been doing a Bible study for the last few weeks, and we've done uh, a lot of interviews with different uh, guests, different uh, experts in different fields, and we've been pre-recording all of that, and Travis has been editing that, and we've been putting it out. And tonight I decided, you know what, I just need to call a timeout and just kind of take a break for what, from what we've been doing and, and just spend some time in a live broadcast. One of the reasons I wanted to do a live broadcast is so that we can participate. We can have a back and forth maybe, especially about the things that are on your heart, things that you need prayers for. Uh, so if you want to put in the comments section, maybe just where you're watching from, first of all. Um, I know that we have many people that are watching this broadcast from not just McDermott Road, uh, but from all over the country and maybe even all over the world. So if you want to put in the comments section, either on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're watching this from, and tell us where you're from, that would be great. Uh, but also, as we go through tonight's lesson and as we spend some time in prayer, uh, let us know what we can pray for you about. That's one of the reasons I just kind of wanted to, uh, to, to kind of have a, a timeout from what we were talking about. One of the reasons is because there's just, there's just so much going on. There's just so much tension. Uh, there's so much sickness. There's so many people that are quarantining right now. I, I was talking to my wife before I came to the church building, and, and we were talking about all the people that we know that either are sick with COVID or um, are quarantining because they've been exposed to COVID. And so there's so many people at our congregation and that we know all throughout the country that, that are struggling. And so if there's anything that, that we can pray for you specifically about, please let us know that. I got Travis over here, and he's He's watching the comment section on, on Facebook and on YouTube. And so if there's anything that you need, if there's any way we can help you or pray for you, please put that in the comment section. Uh, but let's just spend some time together tonight. We've been talking about, we've been doing this series called Current Events. And, and we've, we've had various experts, uh, various guests on, and we've interviewed them and talked about things. And we've been talking about uh, some very sensitive topics. And some people may wonder why. Why are we talking about these things? We talk about politics why is it important that the church talk about politics? Well, because the church isn't an institution. The church is people. <laughs> you and I are the church. All of God's people, all of Jesus' people throughout the world are the church. We are the church. And the church is, is filled with people that come into this family with diverse perspectives. We, we, in the United States, we have Republicans and Democrats, we have independents, we have people that are apolitical, we have people of every political persuasion. And not only that, but people all throughout the world, not just in this country, but the church is made up of Christians, followers of Jesus throughout the world. And we all come to these conversations and this life, this shared life of being a family with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different political ideologies. And so it's part of our life, and we have to figure out how to live life together. And then we talked about race. Why? Why is it important for us to talk about race? Isn't that a sensitive subject to talk about? Yes, but the reason we have to talk about it is because the church is made up of every ethnic group. This is the whole point of the gospel, is that Jesus is bringing every group of people together into a single unified family. And so we have to talk about our, our similarities and our differences. 
And then last week, and, and we were planning on having tonight's lesson be about sexuality. Why do we need to talk about that? Well, because people are struggling with sin, with temptation, with desires, with attractions. They have questions. And so we come to this shared life in Jesus with all sorts of perspectives and backgrounds, different ethnic groups, different political ideologies, different questions, different struggles, different sins, different backgrounds. And we have to figure out how to navigate this. And it isn't as if we're trying to find some middle ground in every one of these areas. It's not that we're trying to find some happy medium. That, that's not the goal at all. In fact, that's a good question. What is the goal? What's the goal here? What's the agenda here? Every, every cultural narrative, and when I say a cultural narrative, I mean the stories that we tell. Who are we? Where are we going? Where did we come from? What's important? What's significant? What's life all about? Every cultural narrative has an agenda, something they're driving towards, something they're trying to accomplish. Well, what's the agenda of this class? What's the agenda of, of the church? What's the agenda of Jesus' people? What is it? What do you think the agenda is? I would say the agenda of the church is worldwide reconciliation through Jesus. That's the agenda of the church. That's the agenda of this class. It is to talk about worldwide reconciliation through Jesus, that Jesus is reconciling the world to God and to one another, that God is reconciling us to himself and to one another through Jesus, through the cross. And so we have to figure out how to participate in that, to be reconciled with God and to be reconciled with each other. And it's messy and it's hard and it's difficult. Unity is difficult. And that's why I felt like tonight, and maybe, maybe this is what we're going to do the next couple of weeks. I don't know yet. I, I just felt like we needed to, to have a timeout. I had already recorded a bunch of material and different things uh, for this class, but I, I just felt like we needed to stop and remind ourselves what's important. What are we trying to achieve here? Who are we? We are the people who are not only being reconciled to God through Jesus, but hopefully being reconciled to each other through Jesus, being, becoming, and living as one unified family. And we have to figure out how do we, how do we live as a family in spite of our background, in spite of our differences? How do we navigate these issues and topics as the church, as followers of Jesus? Because you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you're a part of the church regardless of where you are. If you're online, if you're on Facebook or you're on YouTube or you're on Twitter or you're on uh, Parler or wherever you are, you, you participate in those forums. You participate in, in this discussion of, of everything going on in the world. You participate as a part of this body, as a part of the body of Jesus. And everything we do is either helping to draw people closer to Jesus and his church, or is actually doing the opposite and pushing people further away from Jesus and his church. So I just wanted to stop tonight and pray, because regardless of what happens with the, the virus numbers, the, the tension numbers are running pretty high, don't you think? 
people's tension is high, people's worries are high, and when people are worried and people are angry and people are upset and people are afraid, we tend to take it out on each other and we tend to treat each other in ways that doesn't reflect the agenda of the church, worldwide reconciliation through Jesus. And so that's what we need to spend a few weeks talking about. And if we need to put off some of these more sensitive topics until another time, we're going to do that for the sake of reminding ourselves of who are we? What is it that we're supposed to be accomplishing? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? So I want to look with you at a passage. This is a passage that's been on my mind this week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 12. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he is He's, he's encouraging them about the return of Jesus and how Jesus is going to come back. And, and they need to understand that Jesus could come back anytime, but it isn't necessarily going to happen right now, but it could happen at any point. And to encourage each other and build each other up. And then he says in verse 12, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work be at peace among yourselves. Let's kind of walk through that for just a second. He says, he's talking about those who are over you in the Lord and those who are admonishing you. So who is that? Well, in the church, that's our shepherds, right? Our elder in the Lord. I don't know if you, you know this or not. I don't know where everyone is watching from. I realize everybody that's watching this video and participating in this discussion isn't from McDermott Road. And maybe the place where you are, maybe they don't have elders or maybe they don't have um, the men qualified to be elders. Uh, but, but we do here at McDermott Road. We have shepherds. We have elders. We have 11 men. And I'll tell you what, they have worked so hard over the last few months. I love these men so very much. It's been a hard few months, just as it's been hard on each and every one of you. It's been incredibly difficult on our shepherds. And I know that every group of elders all throughout the world that is overseeing the, the flock that God has entrusted to them, it's been incredibly difficult. And, and here Paul is talking to the church about how you should interact with your shepherds. And he says, respect them. And the word there, respect, means to recognize them recognize who they are as a person and also their position. So recognize their person, recognize their position, respect them. And then he says that their, their labor, they, they labor, they labor. And then later in verse 13, he said, because of their work, because of what they're doing, recognize their labor, recognize their work. And he says to esteem them very highly in love. Now, esteem means to, to kind of put somebody uh, up, you know, where, where they are, to, to oversee and recognize their authority, recognize their position of leadership. Now, I recognize that in our culture, we don't, we don't like these words about submission and leadership and oversight, but this is how Jesus set up his church, for us to be overseen the way sheep are overseen by shepherds. And so we have these shepherds who are working tirelessly, who are laboring. And, and the text says to esteem them very highly in love, not in bitterness or resentment. Because you recognize these men are looking out for us. They're, they're serving us. They're helping us. And he says that they admonish you. Now, the word admonish means to warn, to say, whoa, stop. 
don't do that. That's dangerous. The way, you know, if a child is about to touch the stove and, and a parent says, don't touch that. It's hot. You're, you're going to get burned. And the job of our shepherds is to admonish us, to oversee us, and to warn us when our behavior is, is going in a direction that's dangerous for ourselves and for others. Again, the agenda of the church is worldwide reconciliation through Jesus is that the world be reconciled to God through Jesus, that the world be reconciled to God and to one another. And if anything we're doing or saying is running contrary to that, it's the shepherd's job to admonish us. But it's, it's not fun sometimes to be admonished, is it? When an elder, when shepherds, when a group of shepherds say to us, don't do that, that's dangerous, that, that's going to be harmful to you or to the church then we have this tendency to push back against that and say, you don't have a right to tell me or don't tell me what to do or I can do whatever I want to. And Paul says, no, 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 respect them, esteem them very highly in love. Understand that what they're doing is good, not only for you, but for the entirety of the body and for the agenda of the church to bring the world to God through Jesus. But I want us to pay attention to this last sentence here in verse 13. He says, be at peace among yourselves. Sunday night, Matt Mead did a fantastic job talking about peace. And that's a word that's important both in the old covenant that God made with Israel and as he expanded that covenant to include all of us Gentiles, that idea of peace. And peace isn't something that just comes naturally. Paul says, be at peace among yourselves. Don't break the peace. Maintain the peace. Don't disturb the peace. That's, that's a, an obligation, a responsibility that we have to take seriously, isn't it? Be at peace among yourselves. Recognize that, that when we do and say things that break the peace or disturb the peace, that we should want, and we all have, haven't we? I have, you have, we probably all have, done something to disturb the peace, then we should want to do everything within our power to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to be reconciled to each other. That's why Jesus says that if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and first go and be reconciled. Because reconciliation, unity, peace, is of the utmost importance. And we have to recognize that, church. Peace in our heart, the way that we feel about each other, the way we think about each other, and the way we talk to each other, and the way we treat each other. And across the world, we're seeing, aren't we, what happens when God's people aren't at peace among themselves, among ourselves. We have to be so very careful to keep the peace. Look at verse 14. This is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament because I find it so helpful for ministry because this, this is ministry in a nutshell. This is exactly what ministry is and should be, but you also have to recognize that you're a minister. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but you're a minister. I'm a minister. We're all ministers. The word minister means servant. We're supposed to be serving each other. We are the church. We are the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus. 
with one another and with the world. And, and here's what he says. Here's how we minister to each other in the church. He says, admonish the idol. Now, admonish, again, means to warn. And idol here means somebody not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Disorderly is another word. It's not just lazy. It could be somebody that's being lazy, but it could be somebody that's being rebellious and doing something they're not supposed to do. What do you do when your brother or sister is doing something that isn't in keeping with the gospel? You warn them. You warn them and you say, brother, that road is a road to self-destruction and, and that's not in keeping with the gospel and that's hurting the cause of Christ. We have to be willing to warn each other to each other, by the way. He doesn't say when someone's idle or someone's disorderly, talk about them behind their back, gossip about them, slander them. He says, admonish them, warn them, and say, brother, that, that's not helpful, that's not right, that's not good. He says, two, encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage the faint-hearted. I don't know about you, but there's been times over the last eight months or so where I've been faint-hearted, where I've been discouraged, where I've not known what to do next. And I'm guessing you've probably felt that way a time or two as well. What does the text say to do? What does Paul tell the church to do? Encourage the faint-hearted. Build each other up. And, and I've received that from so many Christians. I've received encouragement. I love that word, encourage, because we, when we think about encourage, we tend to think, say nice things about each other. But encouragement it, that could be encouraging to hear a compliment, but complimenting is not necessarily encouragement. Encouragement is helping to instill courage in one another, reminding each other, this is who we are. This is whose we are. This is what we have. This is our, this is our life. This is our calling. This is our future. Encourage the faint-hearted. And then he says, and this is so important, help the weak. Help the weak. A weak here can mean sick or ill. It can mean somebody with a malady, but it could be physically or spiritually. We have moments in our life where we're weak, where we're sick, where we're struggling with something, where we're struggling to put one foot in front of the other. In fact, so many times people fail to realize that so many of their brothers and sisters feel this way as well. Sometimes we can feel like I'm the only one that's weak. I'm the only one that's struggling. I'm the only one that's hurting. But there's so many people who are weak and struggling and hurting. And we have to, we have to confess that to each other and say, I need help. Because as I often say, we can't know what you need unless you tell us. We have to have the kind of relationship where we admit, I'm struggling right now and I need help. And then when somebody admits their struggle, admits their temptation, admits what they're going through. We help them. We don't, we don't wag our finger at them. We don't pile on them. We don't, we don't hurt them more. We don't make their burden even heavier or harder to carry. We help them when they're weak. And then he says this, be patient with them all. Be patient with who? With them all, with everyone. Regardless, be patient. And the word patient there means long-suffering. Suffer long. It's the, it's the opposite of having a short fuse. It's like having a long fuse. And so many times in the church, we have a short fuse with each other. And we say, oh, 
you, you blew it. I, I just don't like you. I don't like what you say. I don't like what you do. And then uh, the, this phrase has been coined in the world, cancel, right? This cancel culture where we say, I'm going to unfriend you or I'm going to encourage other people to unfriend you. And we cancel each other rather than suffering long with each other. Be patient with everyone. That's the only way this reconciliation agenda can be accomplished, is that we must admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Look at the next verse. Verse 15, he says, See that no one, <laughs> read that again, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to who? Everyone. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So there's so much to unpack there, but this is the Christian ethic, isn't it? This is how we are supposed to operate. When somebody does something hurtful to you, what do you do? Get even? Teach them a lesson? Show them who's boss? Fight fire with fire? No. In the church, we do good to one another. Instead of repaying evil for evil, instead of repaying hurt for hurt, injury for injury, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, we do good to one another in the church, but not just in the church, to everyone, to one another, that's in the church, and to everyone. What do you do if your neighbor hurts you? You do good to them. What do you do when, when you feel like a certain political party or you feel like a certain um, uh, political ideology or you feel like this group or that group or this other group or this other whatever? What do you do when you feel like they're, they're hurting you or they're hurting the country or they're hurting this, that, or the other? What do you do? Do good. Do good. That's how we accomplish the agenda of Jesus. We do good. To whom? Everyone. When? All the time. Whenever we have the opportunity, do good. Don't return evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult. Don't fight fire with fire. When someone hurts you, when someone says something mean, don't, don't retaliate. Instead, strive to do good to one another and to everyone. Then finally, verses 16 through 18, and this is so fitting with what we're doing in our Sunday morning series right now, the 30 days of things. Rejoice when? Always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that doesn't mean, again, as we've been saying so many times, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you can't admit when things are, are hard. It doesn't mean you can't admit when things are difficult. It doesn't mean you can't admit when you're struggling. You can rejoice and be honest at the same time. You can say, this hurts. This stinks. I don't like this. I, this is difficult. This is challenging. And, and, and still be a person who says, but look at how God has blessed us. Look at what God is doing for us and in us and with us. And so we, we have to hold both of those truths in our hand at the same time, that we have to be honest about how difficult 
things are or what we might need or how we might need help or in what areas we need encouragement. But also we have to be people that rejoice always and pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. And as we've been saying on Sunday morning, giving thanks is good for you. It's good for me. And it's good for one another to hear us give thanks. And it's good for the world to hear us give thanks. I don't know about you, but I don't know that the world is hearing that from the church enough. I don't know that the world right now is seeing us do enough good or hearing us give thanks and rejoice always. We have to be a people, not who fake it, not who pretend that we're, we're joyful, not who pretend everything is okay, but who recognize what God in Jesus has done for us. And we rejoice in that always and everything. We give thanks. Uh, I know uh, Travis sent me a message saying that uh, Gail from Mississippi is asking for prayers and we'll pray for Gail. And if anybody else has prayer requests, we're going to say a prayer here in just a second, but feel free to, to put those in the comment section and ask for prayers as generally or as specifically as you want to. And, and even after this class is over, we will continue to pray for you. Church, we're in this together, not just, not just COVID, not just the pandemic, not just this election season that seems to be going on and on, but life, life. We're in this together. Regardless of what you struggle with, regardless of your questions, regardless of your past, regardless of your present, regardless of, of your questions, regardless of your doubts, we're in this together. We are family. God is reconciling us to himself through Jesus and God is reconciling us to one another through Jesus. And, and being at peace with one another, and doing good to one another and to everyone can be challenging sometimes. But this is the life to which we're called. So let's work on doing that. Whether that's reaching out and apologizing to someone you need to apologize to, or reaching out and admonishing someone, warning someone about something that you need to warn them about, or encouraging someone who's faint-hearted, or helping someone who's weak. But in everything, let's be patient with each other. Let's be long-suffering with each other. Let's say to each other, you're not getting rid of me so easily. You're stuck with me. Jesus has made us family. So we're in this together and we're going to stick with each other. Let's be those kinds of people who are tenaciously unified. Let's pray about that. Not just tonight, but let's pray about that all the time. And let's be working to be at peace with one another. Let's pray, church. Father, I, I pray a special prayer for Gail. And, and I pray that you bless her and that you give her peace and that you give her strength. And Father, I pray that you be with all of your people across this country and across the world, Father, regardless of what language people speak, regardless of where people call home, regardless of what questions people have or what struggles we have, Father, help us to rejoice in the fact that you have made us one and that you are continuing to reconcile the world to yourself through Jesus. And help us, Father, to be part of that, to be part of that by living at peace with one another, by doing good to one another and to everyone. Father, I know that tensions are high, and I know that we're all struggling with various worries and, and fears and doubts and, and questions. 
But Father, I pray that you fill us with your spirit and that you comfort us with a peace that passes understanding and that you help us, Father, to admonish one another when the time when it's time for that. Help us, Father, to encourage the faint-hearted. Help us to help the weak. And Father, help us to be patient with one another. To be patient with one another as we, as we try to figure out how to live together as family. Father, thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you for filling us with your spirit. Thank you, Father, for adding us to your family. Thank you for being patient with us and help us to be patient and gracious and merciful with one another. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a wonderful day. God bless.